This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in. It's a fresh edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you once again. And we are only a week away from the early signing period. We mentioned last week, it feels like it's just coming up so quickly because it's kind of skewed with our schedule or covering regular season Penn State football action. And yet it's somehow going to kind of intertwine with this early signing period, which kicks off on Wednesday, December 16th, continues through Friday, December 19th. And of course, that sets the stage for the final six weeks or so of the cycle uh, as we know it um, in, in February with that traditional signing period. February 3rd on that first Wednesday of that month. But uh, a lot is going to be settled between now and next Friday. And a big piece of the puzzle came together for Penn State with a pickup this week. We're going to talk to Brian Doan, a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, a frequent guest here on the podcast, about what Penn State has in this recruiting class, what he thinks about the decision of Landon Tangwall and being able to enroll early, and also some transfer portal conversation because that is very much a huge component of roster construction right now in college football in 2020 going into 2021. But Sean, this is one that moved quickly. Harrison Wallace picked up a Penn State offer just a couple weeks ago. He picked up his first Power 5 offer in October, uh, and that speaks volumes because by the time he flipped his commitment from Duke to Penn State on Monday, uh, he had you know approaching double-digit offer totals at the Power 5 level, a prime example of a player who blows up late in the process, big senior year, a lot of athleticism, but doesn't get to visit anywhere. Penn State ends up pulling this one off. We're going to talk about the receiver momentum they have going in a second, but isolated to Harrison Wallace, really like this pickup in a kid who has risen very much in the 24-7 sports rankings. In terms of late pickups, I mean, this is the arc that you want to get these guys on. This is a guy that really was not even on the radar, was more of a basketball prospect coming into the, I guess, the the pandemic, essentially. Um, didn't really pick up a ton of momentum as a football player, but then put on that senior tape and obviously did some really, really nice things. I know Barton Simmons kind of led the charge to have him boosted the four stars. Uh, he loves the kid. If you check out our commitment article from the site earlier this week, um, certainly had some some big time uh, hopes and aspirations for, for young Mr. Wallace is a guy that comes in with, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because this cycle, you're not exactly sure. You, you say, okay, six foot 180, and you kind of throw your hand quotes up there. And, and cause you're not sure is, is he actually six foot six one? Is he actually five eleven? You don't really know for sure. And it's a very interesting dynamic because obviously you want to know, have as much information about a kid. But then you put on things like his, uh, on his Twitter where he's dunking between the legs on a 10 foot rim. 
that kind of takes away some of the uh, the, the uh, apprehension that you may have about his size, athleticism, all that kind of stuff. So, because that's the thing that really pops when you put on his tape. Very smooth athlete, uh, not at all a refined football player. Still kind of raw in and out of his breaks and things like that. Don and I will talk uh, quite a bit about Mr. Wallace uh, here in a little bit, but it's just uh, you've got some comparisons there um, to uh, Keandre Lambert Smith. You've got some uh, rough comparisons. I've seen some on our board to, to Allen Robinson, that type of athlete, that type of basketball type guy that's kind of, you know, you're, you're just getting into football. You're just getting into uh, scratching the athletics uh, surface because basketball guys and, you know, for, for whatever reason, basketball guys kind of want to shy away from the weight room. You don't want to mess up that jump shot. You don't want to do too much to, to impact your game. Then all of a sudden you start developing as a football prospect from a basketball guy and really you're just kind of scratching the surface of what you've got from an athletic standpoint. So excited to see his development. Obviously, he's going to be a guy that's going to come in here. He's probably going to have to redshirt. He's probably going to have to, you know, hit the weight room and see what he can do. Um, but a lot of pop, a lot of, uh, you know, just sort of twitch in this guy. And that's certainly a week and a half from signing day. That's a pretty darn good pickup for Penn State. Always love the the transition from the basketball court. Some takeaways you can you can do when, when watching a guy play out there on the court. You pointed to last cycle, Tyler Warren, who was playing quarterback for his high school team, was going to play tight end, is playing tight end right now at Penn State. What he was doing on the basketball court, jumping up, slamming down the ball. Mike Kosicki is the guy who comes to mind who had that basketball athleticism. Lonnie White in this class. Lonnie White in this class. That sort of Jason Oway is a guy who, who didn't even go to a school with a football program his first two years of high school and uh, was was focused on basketball. So that that is one sport. Not every sport you can you can draw the and say, okay, that applies to football, basketball. Is one and you mentioned Barton's comments uh, about this commitment, and, and Barton was really early on the bandwagon with this uh, with Harrison Wallace as a Power Five prospect, as a high level wide receiver recruit, and this is a kid who went up 500 plus spots in the latest 24/7 Sports rankings update, actually all the way into the top 20 uh, top 247. I mean, that's a remarkable climb, um, and 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 the four star status, and and, um, and for the conspiracy theorist, he did that before he picked up yes. the Penn State offer, so <laughs> yeah. he hasn't even gotten his Penn as State a Duke bump. So. Yeah, as a Duke yeah. commit, and not as a Duke basketball commit. So that that's a big time. And I just wanted to, to highlight some of these comments from Barton Simmons because he points out this is a cycle where there's a lot of guys coming out of nowhere because of the circumstances and the lack of eyeballs on, on players across the country. Uh, him coming out of Pike Road High School in Alabama. He says Harrison Wallace is one of the most exciting senior risers in the country. His football film is electric. He shows outstanding ball skills and body control. Um, a little bit hard to, to tell how athletic or big he is on film. And then Barton says, you turn on the basketball tape and those questions are answered quickly. Incredible bounce and explosiveness at the rim. And you'll take, you mentioned Keandre Lambert Smith, some, some comparisons there. You'll take back to back classes with a Keandre Lambert Smith. And, and, and obviously Parker Washington is the freshman wide receiver who has stolen the spotlight, but I still think we, we, we both believe Keandre Lambert Smith, who is a starter right now, has a very bright future with the Nittany Lions. And, um, just reflecting on this wide receiver class now, Sean, this was a mystery. This was kind of the thing we kept circling back to during the offseason before we knew what 2020 was going to be like, before we knew what this season was going to to present to us. We kept saying, 
what's the wide receiver room going to look like? Is Jahan Dotson going to be able to be that number one guy consistently? Are any of these young wide receivers going to contribute? Are they going to be able to recruit? Are they going to be able to sell the vision at that position? Because that's been a bit of a struggle. Is Taylor Stubblefield the guy who can do that, particularly from a remote status without being able to get face-to-face with this guy? He's been a coaching vagabond of late, here, there, and everywhere, and now in Happy Valley. Well, fast forward to where we are now, Sean, a couple weeks away from a new year. They have five wide receiver commits, three in the 2021 class, two in the 2022 class. They are each evaluated as four-star talents by 24-7 sports. Additionally, for the first time since 2017, they have two wide receivers who are over 30 catches on the season. They did that in six games, Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson. The last two years, when you had 13 games each season, you didn't accomplish that. So, I mean, business is booming right now for Taylor Stubblefield. We had plenty of time, obviously, to talk during the pandemic, and we did quite a bit of talking during the pandemic. Thanks, by the way, for the po- the people that posted their Spotify year in review, and we were the top podcast. That, that was makes cool. us feel good. We appreciate a lot that. of minutes, a lot of but minutes. We, we had a lot of minutes spent on Taylor Stubblefield from getting here in the belt, and Don and I will talk about this on the, <laughs> the on the interview here later. But from from the belt to now. I mean, nobody has really improved their stock more than Taylor Stubblefield because that was the big question coming in. Um, obviously, this trio of Lonnie White, Liam Clifford, uh, and Harrison Wallace, the three that we earmarked from the start to, to end up in Penn State's class, obviously. <laughs> yes. uh, forget about those three guys in Maryland. Uh, but no, it's, it's been quite a cycle. And, you know, when you look at the, the results that he's posted on the field, um, you know, you got to like what you've got in Taylor Stubblefield. Obviously, you know, you want to see if he can stay in one place for more than a year. But if he does, I mean, you, you got things cooking in the right direction so i i really think that you know you you got to give some a lot of credit to taylor stubblefield he, he's really sort of turned that narrative on its head and and honestly you know looking back at the summer caden prather goes to west virginia jaleel farouk you're not in it for jaleel farouk and or or dante thornton you you really had some serious questions so so kudos to him for, for sort of flipping that thing on its head and now you kind of see where the dust may settle here in, in mid to late December, and and you're starting to think this is quite a trio. I mean, Liam Clifford fell out of the top 24-7. Like, I don't know how far. I think he's probably like in the top 260. He's right on that fringe. He also just won a state championship, capped off an incredible year, 300-yard receiving game. Lonnie White uh, and Harrison Wallace among the top kind of ascenders in this uh, in, in this recruiting rankings for the 2021 class. So a lot to love with this wide receiver group. And, and by the way, an interesting note here, get you know keep Pike Road in the back pocket here. It's a place that I had never heard of until just a few weeks ago with the offer to Harrison Wallace. But you've never been. Uh, not yet. Not yet. I can't, I can't wait to, uh, as I chronicle the career of Harrison Wallace. But the uh, offer went out to running back uh, at Pike Road, Kinshawn Judkins. Uh, and, and I may be saying that wrong. I likely am saying that wrong. But maybe he's a name to get to know because he's a 2022 running back. He got an offer last week. His teammate is now committed to Penn State. So, you know, all of a sudden, Pike Road is, is in play for Penn State as as a place to watch on the recruiting trail. And you're going to do a deeper dive with Brian Doan here in, in just a moment. But uh, an impressive pickup. And, and we are, as we record here, eight days away from the early signing period, Sean. And um, just I, I was really impressed by the rapid nature of this commitment flip because uh, a kid like Harrison Wallace, correct me if I'm wrong, not intending to enroll early, very easily could have pushed this thing into January, uh, into February. Yeah, and this is a recruitment where, honestly, I don't think he knew a ton about the process. If you look at when he committed to Duke in the first place, it was just a couple of days after they'd come through with an offer. 
Eventually, South Carolina came through. Maryland came through. Houston came through. Tennessee actually offered on Monday morning before he, you know, eventually committed to Penn State. But uh, I, I really don't think, just based on my conversations with him, this is a guy that really bought into the process or really knew about what was going on in the process. So uh, that, that's one thing that, you know, when we were talking to our, our, our people last week, they mentioned, okay, well, I, I, we think we're in a good spot here. He doesn't really show a ton of uh, – uh, the tendencies that you might see from other prospects as it's getting close to signing day, I think they're in a good spot here. We wrote that late last week, uh, top target spotlight. And by the time uh, that published and by the time that was over, uh, I had already put in a crystal ball for him. So it's kind of moved pretty quickly from that aspect. They've been working on this one for a while. This is obviously a senior riser situation. We really weren't sure what was going to happen with that senior riser situation because you know, we just didn't know who was going to play and what kind of situation that Penn State would be in a couple of weeks or a couple of months before signing day. They've moved on a couple of those guys. They haven't moved on some other guys that you thought maybe were uh, closer to home, household name type type guys. And I think they're pretty happy with the way they stand right now. Barton Simmons, the 24-7 Sports Rankings Council, all over this one. Penn State staff on this one now as well. Um, and and you kind of like it when you can come away into signing day with a blue chip talent without the aches and pains that can come with a blue chip recruitment. That's a pretty good situation where you can pull in a four star like this without making it a, an 18 month endeavor with the highs and lows. Uh, we'll see. He puts pen to paper next week. And uh, that's about as uh, as as neat and tidy of a recruitment as you can ask for if you're the Nittany Lions coaching staff. We're going to talk a lot about recruiting now. Sean caught up with Brian Doan for a solid 20-minute segment, breaking down the, the signing day expectations, what's going on in this Nittany Lions class, and the transfer portal. What are the ramifications of what we're seeing happen in 2020? How does that factor into the recruiting process as well? That's coming up right now with Brian Doan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We just had him on a few weeks ago, but with signing day coming up next week, it's time to bring back our favorite guest, your favorite guest, everybody's favorite guest, Brian Doan, 24-7 Sports National Analyst. Doan, you, you just have you. you just disappointed so many people when you said favorite guest and then it was me. They're like, oh, yes. yeah." Oh, really? <laughs> well, yeah, you got to sell high, I guess. Uh, <laughs> We we had you on the on the site this week talking a little bit about the commitment of Harrison Wallace, uh, the, the receiver from Alabama. You took a look at him, and this is one that kind of passed through the ratings council that you're a part of. Barton Simmons kind of brought him to the table based on his senior season, and he ended up with four stars uh, from 24-7 Sports in the back end of the top 247. Uh, what'd you think when you were watching him? I know you had some thoughts that you kind of bounced off of me the other day, uh, but w- what's your first thoughts when you're watching a kid like Harrison Wallace? Well, the first thought was this is why people have to be patient in recruiting because just because you didn't get a kid in June that you wanted doesn't mean another good player won't be available in November and December. So that's first. What what I liked, I mean, when you watch Wallace, he's he's so much better than all the defensive backs he's playing against. So understand that. And that's good. And it's also, hey, you're going to have to adjust to the Big Ten. But I liked his ability to run. He's a long strider. He High points the ball a lot, seems to have really good ball skills, can adjust to the ball thrown in the air. He is a guy that catches the ball and gets up the field. Not a lot of dancing. I mean, you and I spoke about it. 
I, I compare them, you know, a lot watching them. I'm Keandre Lambert, and then I had to go look up and see what their measurables were and, and see how close they were. And, and I think coming out of high school, Keandre was probably a tiny bit, you know, a little bit better route runner, a little quicker um, out of his breaks, but very similar guys that seem to catch the ball. And, and what I like is when you're looking at Harrison Wallace at the high school level, he was a big play guy. He likes to stretch the field. I know Penn State has not seen it probably as much as they want to, but when you're looking at Kirk Scirocco and his offense and what he did, particularly at Minnesota, stretch the field, guys that can go get it. And Wallace is six one, and he's got some length. I think he's going to add some size and add some quickness to it. I want to see him be more physical, you know, at the top of some of his routes. Now, again, who he's playing against, he doesn't have to do that very often. But yeah, I mean, I think Penn State does a really good job of being patient, staying on him and saying, okay, listen, he had a really good senior year. They did their scouting and then you move on him. I, I think it's, I think sometimes we forget that that's how recruiting should work, that, that sometimes senior years should mean something. That's something you brought up on our site a couple of times now when you're talking about, uh, you know, a guy like Wallace or a guy like Deshaun Morrell, uh, where, where you're going and, and, not overreaching, not taking a guy just to take a guy, I think is the way that we've sort of phrased it. And you sort of have lauded Penn State for staying patient. I know it's been tough this cycle, especially the way things have gone with a bunch of their top targets, but haven't just filled it with guys just just to take somebody. I mean, two things. If you're not patient in recruiting, you're going to get absolutely killed eventually. It's going to catch up to you. And second is, what's the sense if you don't think a kid can play? At your level, why are you taking him, A, at all, and B, over the summer or in the spring? Be patient. Let things play out. You look at some of the best teams and, and what they're known for you know, in recruiting classes. Like Bama always uh, closes strong. USC had a history of closing strong. I mean, Texas would close strong. That's what recruiting is sometimes and we've gotten in this habit of if our class isn't filled before training camp begins well the class is going to be miserable hey just be patient go evaluate a fair portion of the country did have games this year maybe not the length of season a lot wanted but there's there was still plenty of kids to go evaluate film on and to make decisions there's a lot of good players out there every team should be able to get good players. You just have to be patient. And that goes, you know, whether you're one of the lower teams in the Big Ten or you're a group of five school or you're one of the top, just take your time and be patient and do your due diligence. I think this probably a name to throw out there. Uh, I think the statute of limitations is probably up on this, but Elijah Gaines, you remember him last year from the 2020 cycle is kind of exactly what you're talking about. Penn State felt they needed a safety. They moved on him. And, you know, after a while, just watching, you're thinking like, he's he's not going to be able to play here. And then all of a sudden right. you have to do the dirty work and, and you're seeing that all over the country right now. I know you covering it for 24-7 sports have seen so many decommitments, quote unquote decommitments. And, you know, that's kind of been the, the theme of the last month. And it's just kind of a situation, you know, to their credit, Penn State's not finding themselves in right now. No, and I think that's important, especially, you know, listen, Penn State did what they had to do with Elijah Gaines last year, okay? And and I don't ever, you know, I hope Elijah UVA has a great career and shows that, you know, he could play at that level. That said, the danger you pose when you do stuff like that is, you know, Episcopal had a really good offensive lineman in this class. And I'm not saying that 
you know, Penn State's always going to be welcome there, but that stuff has a way of catching up to you. And so you really have to be careful in a lot of aspects in just how you're handling takes. Are they good enough? You know, it's, you know, what do we call it now? Processing kids is what they call it. You know, after a year or two, if they don't plan, you know, work out in the program, you just have to be really careful and not just jump at something because you have the ability to get somebody, make sure it's somebody you want, make sure it's somebody that fits your program long-term. And, you know, I, I think that's important. And then the other thing is um, without getting too in depth on it, listen, if you're Penn state, you need to make sure you're saving some spots in the transfer, you know, for the transfer portal, not just Penn state. I mean, everywhere, let's be honest, but you know, you want to make sure that you have a couple guys and, and, they mean recruiting classes now are not done until June when you're talking about portal stuff or July. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, you're going to keep that in mind. You're also going to keep in mind states like Virginia are going to play their season in the spring. So maybe all of a sudden you find a kid like Harrison Wallace that's floating around in Virginia at a position of need and you can go after him at that point. You still have the flexibility to do so. You and I were talking yesterday about Penn State offensive linemen and we're, we're talking about targets and usually there's a, not a clear pecking order, but there's a, you know, these guys that sort of pop up on the radar that maybe just don't have a scholarship yet or you can kind of see one coming down the line. You and I were talking about Austin UK, the, the offensive tackle from from Dallas, and that's pretty much it right now. Then you take into consideration, okay, the transfer portal's there. You know, you haven't hit at a high rate, but at the same time, it's kind of different this year because these guys are probably going to be at least the top of the the top of the group is probably going to be a little bit better and more ready because of that uh, you know that rule where they essentially don't have a risk of sitting out. So it's going to be a really interesting off season. That that I, I agree with you. I think this twenty twenty one class is just going to extend till till next summer essentially. Yeah, and and you look at it, and yeah, the offensive lineman from Texas is you know he's he's target one, he's target two, he's target three. There's there's not a lot beyond that, but you know it's funny that we talk about this stuff and how how guys just pop up on the radar and you know you turn around and you look at like Tennessee offered a kid out of Connecticut a kid named Sidney Fugar out of St. Thomas More a program that you know Penn State knows well right they got a, they got a safety out of there a few years ago and he was an offensive, he was a defensive lineman. He's six, seven. Now Tennessee offered him, um, you know, he's got some things to take care of, but it's stuff like that. These things pop up. So you save scholarships and you see where you are, you know, a in early January. And is there anybody out there who maybe didn't sign? Um, and I'm not saying Penn state's going to move on him, but the example is Gino Vandermark from North Jersey, who's committed to Michigan state who, you know, he had told me many times that he he has a fondness for Penn State. Well, if he doesn't sign, does Penn State move on him? Which I'm, I'm not expecting right now, but they could. Um, so you always want to see who's signing, who's not signing. Coaching changes are they going to happen? You know, three days before signing day. So there's a lot of things for coaches to navigate through. In addition to the fact of. If Penn State wants it, they can have their whole roster back if everybody's going to stay because nobody used up eligibility this year. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's going to be a mess at some point, but now you got to just kind of d- deal with those cards that, as they're dealt and and handle that. So, I mean, I, I really don't see uh, the the sense of jumping forward. Plus, you know, you you've got a bunch of guys at a bunch of positions that seemingly I, I don't know how I'm going to talk myself out of this, but seemingly <laughs> you've got you know a bunch of guys on the offensive line on scholarship, a bunch of guys at defense on the defensive line. 
that scholarship. Those are places that you obviously need help, but at the same time, it's not the end of the world if you don't fulfill all those slots at, at those allotted positions right now. Well, no, listen, and I, I spoke to somebody um, about Penn State's offensive and defensive lines, and and they just thought there's a lot of talent there that maybe they haven't performed the way Penn State wanted to. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for it, but they thought that there was a ton of talent there. Um, you know, they, they compared it to some of the best in the Big Ten. Uh, the other thing is, and I know there's a thread on lines 247 about the quarterback transfer portal. And so what you have to look at is, okay, if you want a quarterback, and I'm not saying Penn State I'm, in, in general, if you want a quarterback and that kid goes into the portal in two weeks, and you have an opportunity to get him. Do you take that kid knowing at the end of the spring next year or, you know, this coming up spring, there could be more guys going into the portal and maybe a quarterback you like more is going into the portal at that point. So there's, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to that coaches now have to figure out beyond Here's who I'm signing on signing day. And there's a lot that goes into that portal decision because it's not like you're going to come out and say, uh, I don't expect James Franklin to say, hey, we're <laughs> going to look in the portal for a quarterback. That just you know sort of throws a grenade in your quarterback room. But at the same time, all these schools do so much more research than than we see on the surface that you're you know you're taking a look at 15 quarterbacks. You're taking a look at offensive line. You you might not need a wide receiver or running back, but you're seeing what's in there and seeing, hey, can this guy possibly help my team? Because that's really you know where it's going to go in that in that direction and i i don't know what the number is going to be with penn state taking grad transfers or anything like that but they certainly are going to do their due diligence at, at every position to figure out if they can get their roster better and so um, honestly they 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 owe it to themselves they owe it to you know the the rest of the team as well well there's that and and i know your board will do the research on this and they'll have some fun with it but all you have to do is go back and look at kids that Penn State missed on and were close in the last two or three cycles. And then you look at what schools that kid is at and what is the depth like at that position. And all of a sudden is some kid who was supposed to be a fourth year junior where now he's still, you know, a fourth year sophomore and still has time ahead. So now you're now you have kids in other programs looking at depth charts saying, well, because of this, my path to the field is clogged. So I'm going in the portal. And so that stuff, you know, when, when people say, oh, this guy's in the portal, we should go get him. Usually when these kids are going to these schools out of the portal, they have connections to that staff already from their high school recruitment. And I think that's something, you know, like I said, man, your board is brilliant at doing stuff like that. And I'm sure they'll have some fun with it um, in the next few weeks, just trying to track that stuff. Well, my board is all about fun, especially this year. We can tell you that. Fun, yes. Uh, that is the first word I thought of, Fitz, when I thought of your board. I mean, listen, the thing I love about it is um, they're passionate. So you, you can't take that away from them and you, you take the good with the bad, but they're passionate. So right. it is fun. I would certainly not take anything away from that board. They are passionate. They are fun. Um, but no, it's funny because the transfer portal is interesting because it used to be all back channel, you know, shady, but still, you know, the, the, the tampering thing was something that happened that nobody really talked about. Now it's, it's 
I think it's still happening because you see guys go into the portal and a day or two later, they get their destination. They didn't all of a sudden think, oh, this is a great academic fit for me. I can go ahead and, and go here. Um, but no, I think that's interesting. I think that the, it, it used to be taboo to take a guy that you missed on and not be able to give him an opportunity uh, or, or, or – you know, I don't know how to, how to say this again, uh, but you would miss on guys and then you would not give them a chance to transfer back in. You, you essentially say, hey, you've already gotten your shot. I don't think that's the case anymore, especially if it's a guy that you think can help you or a guy that can, you know, is is maybe not transferring because he got beat out. Maybe he's homesick or something like that. So there's so many things to take into account here. And, and the transfer portal is fascinating, man. It's it, it's so crazy because you, you look at all these guys that are going in and I don't know what the numbers were last year. I know this is something you've tweeted about a couple of times. That grass ain't always greener, man, and that those scholarships might not be there. Yeah, I'm watching these kids go into the portal, and sometimes you're like, wait a minute, what? Like, you look at Ramon Davis, the running back from Temple, who was doing really well at Temple. He goes in the portal. Now, fortunately for Ramon, who's a great kid, played at Trinity Pauling and then at Blair Academy in New Jersey, you know, he, he's committed to Vanderbilt, which now changes coaching staffs but you know they've told all their commits that they'll honor the commitment but yeah it's exactly what you say it's it's whoa we we just because you're leaving i mean yeah i guess the top 10 percent have nothing to worry about but there's some kids going in all the time that you're like well either he's done playing football or he's moving down at least one level um because there's just not a lot of slots and then you look at i mean kids now are trying to go in so they can get somewhere in January. And the flip side is, well, wait a minute, nobody knows how many scholarships you're going to have in the 2022 class. And you hear, you know, programs talking about maybe they're only going to assign 10 to 12 kids in the 22 class because the NCAA hasn't said how, you know, it's great for next year. Nobody used up eligibility. So fine for next year, it's, it, it's probably going to be no big deal with them extending it. But if they don't extend it three, four years out, you're talking about the 20 and 21 classes of bringing in 50 kids that are of the same eligibility. You're, you're, oh, you, are you suggesting the NCAA didn't have complete foresight when they brought this out? Is that what is that I mean, going on? Listen, I think one thing we can all agree upon is the NCAA, NCAA is always on top of things and has the best things you know, in mind for the student athlete and, and are always well thought with everything they do because, you know, and you see how well they've handled the whole thing with COVID with visits and everything. So, you know, I'm sure the NCAA had everything mapped out for years upon years in advance. Well, I just, I, I noticed you almost went full company men and dropped an NCIS reference. So, um, <laughs> but no, it's, uh, it's really fascinating how that's working out. A couple little small things here. You get Harrison Wallace joining the class. I know you love uh, Penn State's wide receiver class. Lonnie yeah. White obviously got a big bump. Liam Clifford's a guy that you liked as well. So this is kind of coming into form for Taylor Stubblefield. Obviously started off on the wrong foot with the whole belt gate thing. And, uh, but he seemed to come along and done a nice job with recruiting. He's got those three guys. He's got at, uh, Caden Saunders and Anthony Ivy in the class of 22, and he's actually you know putting together some pretty pretty solid performance on the field this year. So that's something that's I think uh, probably under the radar in 2021. As bad as it started out, I mean, it, it seems like Taylor Stubblefield has pulled a 180 there. Well, I mean, yeah, and I love that now anything that has any kind of controversy just attach a gate, a gate to the end yeah. of it, and we're good. And we're good. Like we have dinner gate at my house tonight because the kids don't want to eat what I'm going to make for dinner. So it's dinner gate. But no, I mean, you look at, you look at Taylor Stubblefield and I mean, he wore a Miami belt. Who really care? You really think a kid cares about that for more, you know, more or less, they'll just chuckle at it and find it funny. Um, the, 
that's what's going to decide whether. Well, I was going to go to Penn State, but you know he wore that Miami belt, so I'm I'm not going to go there anymore. I mean, listen, it's totally different recruiting to Miami than to Penn State. You're looking at at, at different areas that you recruit, and I think one thing you really look in their receiver class is they've really hit some different areas, right? They get they get Lonnie White from PA, which is you know pretty much a backyard kid. Um, Liam Clifford from Ohio, and then you go down to Alabama and get Harrison Wallace. And and I think what it shows is that Taylor Stubblefield, A, can connect with these kids when he's given time to. Um, and especially you see that with Harrison, Harrison Wallace. Um, B, that Penn State's name, it does reach a lot of different places. And I know people are like, oh, started the season, oh, and whatever. One season does not matter when you have the resume that James Franklin has. Um, They they know you're going to go there and and have success. Uh, They know what the receivers are doing. So I I think as these kids get to know who Taylor Stubblefield is and they get to know the Penn State program, they targeted the right kids. And, yeah, I like it. I mean, I watched Liam Liam Clifford play – on TV early in the season. And I remember texting with Steve Wolf on him like, yo man, this kid's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, and Steve, I can't remember if Steve was at the game or watching the game, but he's like, yeah, this kid's, you know, we, we got to move him up. And I think everybody on the committee was in agreement when you watched his ball skills, his route running, how quick he was out of breaks. Um, he's just a really good polished receiver. Who's just going to, um, you know, I expect him to flourish in a big way at Penn State. And Harrison Wallace, you know, it's the relationship with Stubblefield and James Franklin and the comfort of the program. Yeah, I mean, I think that's huge. I think it's a great receiver class. And they're 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 doing their own valuations, which is obviously something that you mean uh, they're not just looking at stars and going off of that. Because I know all the time I hear kids tell me and their well, especially their parents, that if I would give them another star, they would get offers from schools. Yeah, no, I, mean, I think that's how it works. I don't know. You're you're on the <laughs> rankings committee, not me. Uh, finally, uh, moving on, uh, hopefully far away from that. Landon Tengwall is going to uh, in, enroll in January. That's a sort of a recent thing that was broken by Tyler Donahue on, on lines twenty four seven. This is a guy that we earmarked as a potential early contributor on the offensive line, which doesn't happen very often. But if you take a look at what he's been able to do through his high school career, it seems like, hey, this guy's got pretty much as good of a shot as anybody that they've brought in over the last few years. The the biggest thing for high school offensive linemen going into college is the strength factor, right? Can you, because Lennon Tangwell is going to be going against 22 and 23 year olds on a defensive line in some instances who I mean, at that point, you're almost a grown man. I mean, you are, I guess. I mean, I'm old, so maybe not. But, you know, that's the biggest thing. If you've ever met Landon Hangwell and sit there and sat with him, you realize how strong this kid is. And he's already – I expect him to get into the weight room and be right on par with everybody else on the offensive line with Penn State. And so then you say, okay, strength-wise, he can do it. Well, we have him as a top 100 player, so we think really highly of him. That means we think where he's rated, we have, you know, that means we think he's a late second, third round draft pick when you're going to project to the NFL. Well, those kids usually play pretty early also. He's a mature kid. He does a lot of film work. He works very hard. In all honesty, Fitz, if he does not play at least in a, in a backup role in 2021, I, I, I don't want to say disappointed because that's not, I'd be surprised. How's that? I would be surprised because I think physically he can do it. And I think mentally he's, he can do it with, with what 
offensive line coach Phil Troutwine is going to teach. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's huge. You get him there. You get him there. Hopefully we have spring practice. You think they will. He's in the weight program, and and he can learn the technique that they want and, and, and really – uh, you know, get a little more flexible. I, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't play at some point next season. The last true freshman to start for Penn State, uh, I, I'm pretty sure this is quick, uh, completely offhand, but Connor McGovern came in and McGovern was kind of similar in terms of he had the size coming in, really good player coming in, was a, a, an Army All-American back in the day, um, just like uh, Tangwall was. But you never really saw the confidence exuding from McGovern. He's kind of a quiet kid where he just went about his business. There's no lacking for confidence from Landon Tangwall. No, and that's a good thing. I mean, I know people could be like, oh, that means he's cocky. No, I don't think that at all. I think he's a confident kid, and I, I it's exactly what you said. And I think when you're looking at Tangwell, you can play him at guard or move him out to right tackle. I think he can play left tackle. I think if you, if you ask me right now, I think he's more of a right tackle. But how do you bring those guys along? Well, a lot of times you start him as a guard, a little easier for him in there, and then you move him out to next year. But will he start? I don't know, man. It depends. Let's see who. Penn State gets back if they get anybody in the portal, any of that stuff. But what I can say is, from a talent perspective, I, I I'll be surprised if he doesn't if they don't get him a bunch of snaps in twenty one. From a talent perspective, we'd be surprised not to have you back on the Lions twenty four seven podcast very soon, Brian. Thank you as always for the insight. I think we we got a little bit uh, further than we thought we would. We were we came in here to talk Harrison Wallace for about five or ten minutes, and then we ended up in the portal. So I'm not yeah. sure how that happened, but I'm, I hope our listeners enjoyed it. It's always a good conversation. We always have good feedback. So Brian, thank you very much for joining us. You can find him, of course, on Twitter at Brian Doan two four seven. You have. Always can find him on the Lions Pride message board, dropping uh, scoop here and there. But uh, we appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Hey, always, man. Appreciate it. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Great stuff from Brian Dona, as always. Uh, I'm sure it will not be long until he's back on the Lions 24-7 podcast with us. Uh, check out his content upcoming next week. You know he'll be chiming in on a lot of what Penn State is doing during the early signing period and beyond. Meanwhile, there was plenty to unpack from James Franklin's weekly press conference on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we're getting into the, the very late stages of this season all of a sudden. Penn State, one of the few programs in the Big Ten and, and really at this point in Power 5 football that has not seen their schedule disrupted. I'll knock on wood saying that because I would like to be in Beaver Stadium covering this team against Michigan State. Uh, but they're 7-for-7 seven seven so far. And there are teams uh, like Maryland and Wisconsin that have played four games through seven weeks. And Here's the thing, Sean. There's a lot of uncertainty right now in the Big Ten. Heck, in college football, in the world. I mean, throw away the football conversation. But there's a ton of confusion about what is supposed to happen next week. Because back in mid-September, 
We got all excited because the Big Ten came out with the schedule and said, we're going to do this thing. We're back on for the fall. And look what we're going to do in week nine. We're going to do a Big Ten championship week. We're going to try to do something that we never have and pull together. And you're going to have the championship game. And then you're going to have number two in the West versus number two in the East, number three versus number three, and, and so on. You're going to get all this bonus football. And uh, so we're there now. And you've got teams holding on uh, by the seams with their programs about whether they can even get to a game. We just learned that Michigan and Ohio State, one of the marquee matchups every year across uh, college athletics, is not going to happen because of COVID cases in Ann Arbor. And we're supposed to still learn six games as part of this championship week. We don't even know who's going to be in the title game at this point. Ohio State, unless the rules are bent, they're exempt from the title game against Northwestern in Indianapolis. So here's what we got cooking, Sean. Are you ready for this? Don't know the opponent for Penn State. We don't know where they'll play that opponent. We don't know what day of the week that opponent will be played. And oh, by the way, it's probably going to involve a flight uh, and transporting 80-plus players and personnel in an ongoing global pandemic. Sounds simple, right? I I mean, I don't know why you make it sound so difficult. It it sounds great to me. Add to it that uh, signing day is on Wednesday. So these guys can, can spend signing day doing the things that they do in addition to having practice. It's uh, you know what? I checked in with some people in the in the Lash Building earlier this week about it. It's a cluster. They they they've got no clue what to expect, and and really haven't been given the information from the Big Ten that you would think that they would have. Um, I mean, you're talking. This is beyond a game prep situation. I mean, I mean, you saw um, with the Coastal BYU game. Okay, you can set up a game a couple of days in advance, and you know preparation, film, and all that, etc. You kind of throw it out the window, but it's talking. You're talking logistics and stadiums and hotels and travel and all this kind of stuff. And and really, there's no clarity on that from the from the Big Ten. James Franklin obviously made those points today when he was there in his press conference, and it's just a, it's a total mess. It's a well, from what my people in Lash told me, it's a cluster. You know what? So it, it's really turning into just a situation. When we talked back in the what was it October or whatever or September when they when they did this, oh, this sounds great. This sounds like a phenomenal idea. Then you take into account the logistics of it and the actual putting it into into play, and it just doesn't it doesn't make sense because you don't know who's playing this weekend uh, four or five days from now. And obviously, you don't know who's playing next weekend. So it's just – it's crazy how this thing has kind of fallen apart on this. Oh, and, and by the way, you look at the Big Ten standings. You've got uh, 5-0 and Ohio State, a 6-1 and Indiana, 5-1 and Northwestern, a 5-2 and Indiana team – or excuse me, Iowa team. And everybody else has two wins. Uh, that is – I tweeted something – Similar to that, just I, I didn't think that that's what happened. Uh, but you got 10 teams with two wins. This is what we're playing for. So wait, that makes Penn State tied for what, fourth place in the in the conference? That fifth place maybe with those two wins? I mean, it it is just, I mean, those naive days of early autumn when we thought this, you could see Penn State, if they lose to Ohio State and that's their only loss, could be a two versus two matchup. They'll be playing a really good team out of the West. Maybe it'll be Minnesota who's going to be really good again, or maybe it'll be a, 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 an upstart Iowa, or, or who knows. And then maybe you could get into the college football playoff as a one-loss team. Well, okay, forget about it. We don't even know if Ohio State's going to qualify for the playoffs, even if they don't lose a game. It is so just unpredictable at this point. And James Franklin said, I assume we're going to hear more about week nine really soon. Uh, if not this week, I, I guess right after the game, we'll have an idea. And then he added, I would hope. Like, you know, like you don't know when this game is going to be played. I don't know if they plan on packing 
the seven games, including the Big Ten title matchup, into one day, uh, and and where those games would be. You know, you hear all the all the you know typical cities floated around here in the Big Ten territory. I know a lot of people focusing in on Detroit. Well, Indianapolis is already hosting the uh, the Big Ten title game. I mean, I don't know. I, I offered up uh, some more southern destinations uh, as examples, but uh, I just don't know right now, Sean, what what necessarily the value is here, and I don't know how they're going to sort through it. And I also don't understand. I said from the beginning, like. For a conference that was playing things very conservatively and shutting it down and trying to like set this example for, hey, you know, let's let's see what it looks like at the start of 2021. Maybe we can play football in in, in January or maybe we can play football in, in the spring. From going from that point to when they put out the schedule and said, and we're gonna do this thing we've never tried before, and we're gonna be having all these moving parts in week nine, and and we're gonna pull that off. I never really understood how how that like how those two things meshed. And now here we are, and you've got a guy in James Franklin who is a power player in college football, your longest tenured head coach in the Big Ten East, the guy who's making $6 million in that ballpark a year, and he's in the dark on what his team is even supposed to do next week. And as you mentioned, as he's trying to sort through making sure they get to the finish line with at least 15 prospects, they've got some other moving parts in that recruiting class as well. Not an enviable position, and one that I just don't understand why Kevin Warren and the Big Ten administration thought they could get to this point and not have an answer. I mean, if you were going to pull the plug on this thing or move all in on this thing, I just feel like you, you've you lost any ability to save face, which I guess is kind of on brand for the Big Ten here in 2020. Well, it's all self-inflicted, and that's you know that's really tough. the toughest part to handle, pushing back the season four weeks further than you had to, you know, kind of gives you or took away all that wiggle room. Now you're going to upset people because you're going to change the the age-old two-month rule that says you have to have six games to get in the Big Ten title <laughs> game, which is going to happen. I mean, it's inevitable. I know we can, you know, bitch about it all we want, but he, I mean, it's going to happen. It's And it's the best opportunity for the Big Ten to get a team in the playoffs. So obviously, you got to do what you got to do there. Um, not, not everybody's going to be happy about it. So it's just uh, everything just kind of coming in these waves, and 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 that's kind of you know the the ninth game is not very important. The bowl games, you've got bowl games that are ducking out every other day, as James Franklin said. So it's just the next couple of weeks, we have no idea what they're going to look like, and I don't know how much you can really gain from that. And you know, Penn State, to their credit, and, and going back, and this is the important thing that Franklin kept coming back to, Penn State's done a phenomenal job. Uh, one of a few teams in the conference that have not had issues with with outbreaks and stuff, and that they've had their false positives. They've had the issues with with coaches not being able to coach in certain days and things like that. But at the same time, I mean, it's it, it's like what what are you gaining from this? And that was a great question from Rich Carcella today. Was were all these sacrifices worth it just to play a few football games? Now, of course, you know, being two and five probably would would factor into whatever your answer would be. But yeah, it's just been kind of all falling apart. And uh, really, a Big Ten's got nobody to blame but themselves. And there's a lot of this that just wins and losses don't factor in. Wins and losses. I mean, the, the Rich, who who did come to, you know, I think he obviously he's working on a story there. And it's something that a lot of us are going to piggyback of, piggyback off of, uh, you know, the, the, the veteran on this beat. He also asked John Clifford the same question. You know, now that we're near the finish line, you've seen what the sacrifices that were required. 
you know, was it was it worth it to play this this season in the fall and 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 the things you had to set aside to do it? And Clifford, like like Franklin, it wasn't nearly as long of a, as a pause. When when Rich asked that question of Franklin at the press conference, there was like a significant pause, maybe an exhale before Franklin actually really started to address the question, which I think says a lot about his feelings on kind of being, I'm sure, split-minded on the subject. But Sean Clifford says, look, you know, a lot of people think, you know, we're, they think we're going about our lives normally like they are. And we're also just going to football practice and showing up on Saturdays to play football. He's saying, you know, not being able to see your family for months on end, not even not being able to hang out with his girlfriend. I mean, you know, that's something that that factors in here too. Just the social isolation uh, that, that, that all these guys are dealing with. And I know a lot of people out there, you may have professions that re- require the same thing of you, uh, but these guys are essentially being asked to live in a bubble. The campus has been vacated since Thanksgiving week now. I mean, it is that, that's where I try to wrap my head around, and I've been saying this for a long time. Aside from me totally not understanding the incentive for a lot of these communities to host a bowl game where you would have local committees, you know, organizing things throughout the week, generating profit for that town, whether it's Charlotte, North Carolina or Mobile, Alabama or Dallas, Texas. There's opportunities to really get a lot of money in the coffers of your community businesses. That that ain't going to happen this year. You may be able to to put a percentage of of fans inside these stadiums this year, but you're not going to have that overwhelming migration of fans from both ends of the spectrum. And you mentioned this before the the podcast. I don't think Penn, you know Penn State's not going to show up five days in advance of a bowl game to partake in all of this and that. They're going to probably approach it like a normal game, get there the night before, the day before, stay overnight, go play football, and come home. But in the process, if we're talking about something like the the Mayo Bowl, which is now where CBS is projecting Penn State to play on December thirtieth. That's going to require continued social isolation, uh, and and that's also going to mean you know Christmas is not going to involve time with your family. James Franklin said something today, and you know every once in a while you're reminded of, of all the stuff that is not football related, and all the conversations we have about Penn State football and the frustrations that surface. And he said he could not describe the things that he would do to be able to to go give his daughters a hug, and and uh, right now, and and that's something that he's been waiting to do for months. And Sean Clifford also, you know, kind of put a personal face onto that frustration that they're dealing with. And I think whether they're five and two or two and five, you're going to feel how you feel about being away from, from your family members. Maybe if you're seven or no, and you got a real shot at the national championship, and that's a small exclusive group in college football at this point of the year, uh, you're, it's a little bit easier to put that stuff on the back burner and focus on the here and now. Um, but here's the thing, Sean. People said March Madness was too big to fail, that it was untouchable. March Madness went off the rails. I, I am not I am not saying that one of those four teams that qualifies for the college football, uh, that a wrench could come up there, man. I, I don't think anything is promised moving forward. And I also completely understand why a, a program leader like James Franklin, while he won't come out and say it definitively and clearly, but you can see there's some wondering right now of where is the value where are you identifying that value in, in playing a bowl December 30th in Charlotte, North Carolina? What are you getting? You, you, we, we love football. We love to cover it. You love to watch it. They love to play it. They love to coach it. But this is in a, in a different year. This is a different year. This is not us talking about going to a bowl in 2019 as a 6-6 six and six team on the, on the fringe of qualifying for a bowl and continuing your season and getting to practice. This is saying two more weeks of lockdown. Another football game at the end of this, then you then you kind of free to, to maybe do a couple weeks of normalcy, and then you got to get back to campus and try to do it all over again. 
it's just a lot to ask Sean right now. Uh, uh, and, and James Franklin has told us his story. And as he said, there's 150 other stories uh, and unique experiences and unique, unique emotions that, that are going on across this program, whether it's coaching staff or the players. And let's remember, most coaches live here. Their families are here. Their kids are here. They may be missing mom and dad. But these are players who are, in a lot of cases, very much restricted to, at this point, remote communication with their loved ones. And oftentimes, with, with, with not just with siblings and parents, but hey, with, your, with your girlfriend as well. And what, there's six or seven teams still playing for something, essentially, right now, and the rest are just kind of getting to the finish line? I mean, what does Penn State get from a bowl game? I mean... Okay, you you can win this week. Maybe you win the crossover game next week, which I hear you're stumping for Raymond James Stadium for Penn State, Illinois, or whatever they're going to do. Um, but uh, it, it, it's six or seven teams, if you even if you include Cincinnati in that, and it's everybody else. Penn State's going to get to five and five. I mean, I, it's great to not have a losing season to be five hundred, but it, it really doesn't you know move the needle all that much, especially when you take into account that that bowl game is probably just going to be essentially another week onto your season, not really the the extended practice that you get where you get those young guys reps. You get essentially a, a mini spring session in December. Uh, I, I just I don't see what the really the point is. I I can still see Penn State going to a bowl. Obviously, the the, the demand is going to be there because of how bunched up the Big Ten is, and that then it's going to come down to to reach and brand and cash. TV, yeah, cash, cash and TV availability and all that kind of stuff. So Penn State's going to be an appealing choice for some of these bowls, but at the same time, I, you're just not going to get all that much out of it as a program. You know, you finish on a high note, great. Um, but at the same time, I mean it's just not uh, it's just not doing it this year. We're just talking about the path that you gotta you gotta march down to get to those sixty minutes of athletic competition in late December in one of these bowl games. And like we said before we started recording, uh you could get in that situation and your opponent could come up with some issue and all of a sudden you're in some random town down south for a bowl game that's not happening. There's just a lot that could jeopardize everything right now for you. But like you said, um, Penn State, to this point, you got to applaud what they've done in terms of, of avoiding any kind of outbreak. Um, I, I think there's been hints that you know it was overly conservative, but it's also hard to, to, to kind of say what are you supposed to be, you know, serve, which master are you supposed to be serving? Are you supposed to be uh, going out and trying to go 7-0 at, at any cost? Or are you trying to keep these kids protected and live to fight another day in 2021 w- w- with a with a team that, that you hope will come through resilient? Mentioned this in the postgame podcast. They keep showing up. They keep playing. It seems to be they're, they've turned a bit of a corner. Uh, they're playing better. I know they just played Rutgers, and I know Michigan uh, is not the Michigan of old, but this team is playing better the last couple of weeks and they have not had any midseason opt-outs. That says something about what's going on in that locker room everywhere across the country right now. You're hearing about former top recruits looking elsewhere and, and, and looking to get out of all different circumstances. And it's not just because of program success and failures. It's also homesickness, social, uh, social distancing from everybody in their lives. It weighs on you, and and if that campus doesn't feel like home to you, and it's, you you could look elsewhere for reasons you never would have thought that you'd be leaving. Um, well, we'll see what the offseason brings. The transfer portal is going to be prevalent, but right now, uh, Penn State has kept it together despite a lot of uh, a lot of struggles in in route to zero and five. Sean, getting back to the here and now with some game week stuff, there wasn't much. It was a lot of big picture conversation. 
uh, from that conversation with James Franklin uh, this afternoon. But uh, Rutgers player of the games were Michael Mennett on the offensive line, uh, Jaquan Brisker at safety, and Jake Pinnegar, who I meant to mention this in the po- postgame podcast. Pinnegar was one of four to start the season through three games. We had a lot of questions about his job security, about his confidence. He's made seven consecutive kicks since then. So you like what the junior is doing, getting back on track. That, that bodes well for the remainder of this year and also for his senior season. Well, I guess junior season part two in 2021. Franklin reiterated the the need to mix in passes for Will Levis, something we talked about at, at a lot in the postgame podcast. Um, but, but one other thing that I actually asked about, Sean, is three Castro fields. It's been so puzzling because he's made these trips. He's been in uniform. Uh, he's been part of the pregame process, but has not been able to play. Sounds like some cautious optimism coming from James Franklin based on his conversations with Terry Smith this week. They would love to get him out there for senior day being able to play. But if he's not there, James Franklin also expressing a lot of pride in what that young cornerback group is doing. And we made it this far in the podcast without mentioning it, but Joey Porter Jr., this is a, you know, I'm not going to say this was anticipated, Big Ten Freshman of the Week, second consecutive week that a Penn State player is the Big Ten Freshman of the Week following Kevon Lee's performance against Michigan at running back. It's cornerback Joey Porter, seven tackles, one for loss um, against uh, Rutgers last week, and, and a kid who continues to turn the postseason buzz into a heck of a starting campaign as a redshirt freshman. And I think that's the theme of this segment of the schedule. You look at what the freshmen are doing, and they're handling big roles and doing it really well, actually. You got Kevon Lee and Parker Washington on offense. Those young tight ends, just going back and looking, Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson were just dominant on Saturday. Now, Ben, they're confident. They're, I mean, that, that's what they, they are. They are confident out there. That's huge. Absolutely. And, and you've got guys, Caden Wallace, obviously playing as a young guy. Juice Scruggs got in there. He's still a, you know, a, a fairly young guy. So you've got guys playing key roles on the offense. And that's certainly something that you look forward to moving forward. Saw Adisa Isaac on the defensive side of the ball. All those corners basically are, are redshirt freshmen or saw are true sophomores. So you've got some balancing to do specifically at spots, you know, like, uh, like safety. You mentioned Brisker was the player of the week. Would love to get another year out of him. Um, but yeah, you've got, uh, you've got young guys that are playing key roles. And I think that as they continue to mature, you can sort of see those guys coming in and pushing, uh, you know, the older guys, not pushing the older guys out, which is actually probably a conversation we could have at, at spots like wide receiver. We talked about Keandre Lambert Smith and Parker Washington earlier when we were talking about Harrison Wallace, but obviously the young guys have, have taken over there. Um, at linebacker, I'd like to see more of Brandon Smith and, and Curtis Jacobs and Lance Dixon and those guys see what that athleticism can do for you and hopefully take some strides or make some big, big steps in the offseason at that position. So we will see. And you, if you're looking for this season to be fulfilling, I don't know that you're going to find it, but you, you can look for the silver linings. And those guys have stepped up and, and played, you know, like older players. And it's been a, a real boon for them down the stretch here. If anything, this has been kind of an assessment of the program over these course seven uh, of the course of these seven games. It hasn't always felt like a season, certainly not a normal season, but it feels like we are kind of on, uh, kind of getting to the bottom of what's on this roster, what's not on this roster, uh, you know, what what the issues are, and what kind of the silver linings are moving forward. Where twenty twenty one, you know, Penn State has full intentions to recalibrate and and and, and get back to what they were doing. Now they're going to have to prove they're they're going to be able to do that in twenty twenty one, and we don't know how normal that year will be either. But you got to like what you're seeing out of the freshmen. Devon Ellis was another player who made 
had made a moment for himself uh, in Piscataway on Saturday. And, and Parker Washington, he could have been the Big Ten freshman of the week against Michigan. He's uh, first nine catch performance for a Penn State true freshman. Um, he, he could be the Big he, Ten offensive yes. freshman of the year. I mean, you. Yeah. I was talking to Zach Osterman actually, who we had on for the Indiana game, and we were talking Big Ten freshman. And it's interesting. I don't know if it's just because of the circumstances of the year, but there's really not a ton of freshmen out there. Some guys have done it from week to week. I mean, Kevon Lee had the big week, and Rakim Jarrett had the big week, and Ricky White from Michigan State had a big week earlier this year. But the 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 overall body of work has not matched that of something like Parker Washington. Now the the safety from Northwestern is probably going to end up winning that award. I don't remember if they do offensive and defensive, but um, you know Parker Washington's going to finish in should finish high in the voting up there. He's done a really good job, and if he can close out strong over the next two weeks, can certainly uh, you know put up some numbers with some pretty solid receivers around the conference. And uh, yeah, so uh, Parker Washington, heck of a season so far, and it's worth noting him and Kevon Leeshawn midsummer enrollees these were not early enrollees who got that semester under their belt although what you could take away entirely from that spring semester outside of the the uh, winter workouts is is up for debate considering the circumstances but these guys showed up to campus in what june um and they've put together these kind of seasons uh, i think that says a lot about what they may be able to accomplish with a full year within the program heading into their sophomore i'm sorry freshman part two seasons i got to get used to to not tacking on the year of eligibility which leads us to our final kind of takeaway from the press conference here we're going to talk about the senior group because it is senior day on saturday sean we'll talk about that senior group more on on our second episode in the in the pregame episode because it's an interesting group there's certain guys that you think could could really use another year there's certain guys you think penn state could really use back and then there's others you wonder if if maybe that they've tapped into all the potential and you know it, it it's it's a lot of debate i guess to be had about stay or go and that comes from the staff perspective and from the prospect perspective, but James Franklin said that they're going to have to have some serious conversations. He's asking his assistant coaches to have you know those conversations really heading into this last week a little bit. I think they're more so trying to gauge where guys' heads are at. They're not telling us. I'll tell you that much. We had uh, Shane Simmons, Michael Mennett, uh, on, on. I'm sorry, Will Fries on calls today, and uh, you asked about uh, if you asked about the stay or go and, and capitalizing on the bonus year of eligibility, you were getting the one and no mentality answer, uh, you know, back in your direction. So didn't shed any light on where these guys heads might be at, but uh, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a, such a surreal and, I mean, unprecedented is the word you always throw around this year. This this truly is like an unprecedented moment in terms of roster construction and in terms of, of player-coach relationship because all of a sudden you're saying, you want to do this again? You want one more time around? Well, you almost have to treat it like a guy that's you know just at the end of his junior season who's going to test the NFL waters and figure out what you're going to do. I mean, you're looking at guys who maybe were banking on one big year and getting out of here. We mentioned a guy like Brisker, whose you know, hopes were high. And, you know, he's played fine this year, but hasn't been the, the player that we thought and the, the player the staff thought they were going to put out there in his first year as starter. But, I mean, it's it's just going to be really interesting to see how they handle these conversations. You've got guys that have played a lot of football, guys that have been here for a long time. And that's not the, you know, it's not the easiest thing to be a college football player. And, you know, maybe you catch on to a roster. Maybe that's something you know you could be undrafted or you can move into the back part of the draft and maybe that's what you want and it's time to go and it's it's very difficult because it's going to be 
very individualized conversations, very individual com- uh, decisions for these guys to make. And I don't know that there's, you know, uh, a precedent out there because you don't know how many guys, how many of these guys are going to jump, how many of these guys are maybe going to take a chance and transfer somewhere else for their last year and, and try and make an, an impact. We saw Daniel Joseph do that last year. So it's, it's just very interesting how this is all going to come down. Um, you know, they've got the buffer in there. So it really doesn't matter from a numbers perspective, especially with the 2021 class. But at the same time, I mean, you, you're kind of, uh, trying to figure out what's the best thing for, for next year and your youth development and things like that. It's just, uh, it, it, it uh, there's no right answer for it. You've got some guys who maybe know the writings on the wall that if they can carve out a NFL career, you know, it, it may be a long shot and maybe they also, you never know. I mean, football is not always the end all be all for, for each one of these players. In fact, many of them, it's it's always the goal for 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 childhood on. But you get to the point where you're 22, 23. Reality starts to set in a little bit more. You've had some time to digest what your college career has become. Maybe you say, "Hey, can I go get another degree here? Can I, how what could this set me up for in the professional phase of my life away from the football field?" There's academic stuff in play, and of course, I think you're exactly right. Some people have had enough of life within a college program. What comes with that? Some people love the college lifestyle, although it probably takes a bit of a hit living on a campus during a pandemic, and it's not quite what you would anticipate when you first got to school. So, a lot in play here. And, and by the way, you see a guy like Dan Chisena logging more special team snaps than anybody on the Minnesota Vikings right now. And, and that's an NFC playoff contender. And you've got Ryan Bates and Jason Cabinda playing fairly prominent roles for their NFL franchises. They were not drafted. So there's a path that doesn't require you to be a, a, a second or third round pick, but uh, some tough decisions coming and, and the, and the staff is going to have to, you know, do their job and be not just, uh, not just the, the coach who wants to tell you what you want to hear, but, the coach who's going to be a father figure and, and kind of say, here's what it is. And to add to that, you've got things like Washington beating Pittsburgh, which is irrelevant to the conversation, but I had to bring it up <laughs> once. So that's, that's, that's all right. I got. That's right. Um, congrats on the dub. Um, and just, you just made a lot of those Steelers fans angry um, out, out there in our listening audience, but I don't think you, you mind at all. Um, ready for mailbag? Let's do mailbag. Let's right, move let's, on. Let's see. <laughs> You got it in there. All right, here we go. Uh, back to the recruiting trail on this one. Top recruits should be able to skip the traditional two signing sessions as they will be in demand and space will be available for them. Will some or many hold out for sp- possible spring visits so that they can make a more informed decision? I think I think there was a couple key words in here. Uh, top recruits, um, because you got to be very confident that you are a wanted man and that there will be space available to make that kind of a move. But we've been talking about this really. I feel like Sean since since April that there are going to be some players who may say. I'll hold out, try to make a visit. I'm not enrolling early. If you're enrolling early, this is off the table. But if you're a guy who, who doesn't mind maybe trying to see what April could look like, but you also risk the uh, the NCAA kicking that can further down the road and shutting that door on you. Yeah, it's either going to be the top of the spectrum or completely off the radar because you're talking about you know maybe places that have uh, spring football and you know you, you, I don't know if you can rely on that for to, to hold off and I, I I wouldn't suggest it I think they you know they should be able to do that so you, you either got to be at the top of the top of the list or the bottom of the list and you know there's a lot of guys in between there so um, I, I I think in an ideal situation you could do this will will many do it I don't think so um, I, I I do think it could be a more informed decision but uh, you're running a lot, a lot of risk trying to do that. You can't visit until April 15th at the earliest. So I, it, it sucks to say, 
this is the card. These are the cards that you're dealt. You got to play them, but that's really the, the only option that most of these guys have. And, and if you think that you can wait it out or you think that you can be the guy that, you know, goes from, you know, zero offers to all of a sudden having four or five on the table, especially with bringing the portal into play and, and the way that scholarships are going to move around after the signing day and after the second signing day. I mean, more power to you, but I just I don't see the the risk versus reward in doing that unless you just have no other options. You're right. The the portal mayhem is going to come and go before you actually you know get to the table and, and and try to make these visits. I think you do make a good point. I was so fixated on maybe like the, the the cream of the crop being able to to bide their time, but you make a good point. And maybe a guy who doesn't have maybe he has FCS options right now, and he feels like he's the FBS caliber. He has people telling him that he's FBS caliber or Power Five caliber. Does he try to hold off? Does he try to? You know, put together some workout videos and make a push. Maybe there's an opportunity there. Let's remember, Sean, something else notable. Got a lot of seniors who are finishing up their high school career depending on the state in the spring. I mean, right? I mean, th- there's a lot of these states that pushed it from the fall. And if things come together and it's safe to do so and they get back out there and play football in the spring, that's an interesting dynamic. I mean, you, you could have a kid in your backyard blow up and you didn't know about him. He could be four inches taller, 50 pounds heavier, and and a different kind of athlete than the kid you saw on camp 18 months ago. And then what do you do? Yeah, that's uh, Maryland's going to play, I think, some some spring football. Um, Virginia's definitely going to play some spring football. I, I mean, obviously, you can't bank on that stuff happening. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you've got an opportunity where your roster is going to turn over as well. So, you know, maybe you're looking at a situation where you have 80 scholarships or something like that. And you've got maybe a couple earmarked for the portal. And then you just find a guy that, OK, this was not the same guy that maybe we scouted back in his junior season, which was, you know, over a year ago at this point. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I, I don't see the likelihood of that happening. And it could also be a situation where this, you know, happens with like a specialist or something like that. Maybe those are the guys that are worth waiting around for. So I, I don't know how it's going to play out. I wouldn't suggest it. I think in a perfect video game type world, okay, you can you can certainly, you know, run the risk of doing so, but not everybody's Zach Evans. Not everybody's going to be able to, 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 to wait around until um, essentially all the ink has dried everywhere else and just enroll there. Uh, it makes sense to do so from a logistical perspective, but from a realistic perspective, I don't think it's going to happen all that often. The recruiting trail, particularly the end of it, when you get to this point of the cycle, has a way of making kids learn hard realities as a young age and maturing uh, in ways that maybe they didn't want to do. And uh, there, there are some harsh realities. There's only so many scholarships available at this level of football. And and you're right, staffs aren't likely to stick around and wait around and hold out spots just in case. Uh, but a really good question. One of the better ones we've gotten of late uh, on the five-star mailbag. And we've had a really good run of questions. Uh, leave yours and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll do our best to get to it. We're going to continue to focus in on recruiting with the big week coming up. Of course, Michigan State matchup. On the way, we are back Friday with a preview of that game. We're going to talk more specifically about each of these individual seniors um, and maybe talk about that should they stay or should they go conversation and what goes into all of that at some key positions for Penn State. Listen and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, stay informed on lines247.com where new VIP members get 30% off or $1 for one month. We are out of here for now. Big thanks to Brian Doan, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports. Big thanks to Sean Fitz, and we'll talk to you real soon on the Lions 24-7 Podcast.